When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. about the Clippers offseason. My name is Sabrina Merchant. I write for SB Nation. I'm joined by David, who writes for Spin and Fansided. Um, Clippers season obviously ended a week ago, and truthfully, I have no idea what direction their offseason goes in because of the primary question, what the hell is up with Kawhi Leonard? David, do you have any answers for me? <laughs> so, uh, no, except to say that I'm still where I was prior to the beginning of the Clippers season, which is that I do not expect... Kawhi Leonard to leave the Los Angeles Clippers and if he did for a couple of reasons which I'm sure we'll get into but if he did I do think that it would say more about Kawhi Leonard and his inability to gel with a franchise and an organization than it would say anything about the direction of the Clippers yeah so to me it's not even so much about Kawhi Leonard's free agency it's what version of Kawhi Leonard are we getting next season like is right. he is he hurt I mean did did he suffer a severe knee injury during the playoffs? Like, we don't know. Uh, no. The, the Clippers announced the severity of Ivica Zubac's injury within, like, 12 hours of him suffering. Uh, we are, what, three weeks removed from Kawhi Leonard's injury and still have no idea what happened, other than the fact that apparently his knee is sore enough to the point where he wanted to stretch it out in the suite instead of on the bench with the Clippers for a couple of games. <laughs> But yeah, I I just think that this is like the biggest question that we have is what's up with Kawhi? Is he going to start next season healthy? And it's so crazy to me that we've gone this long without any leak even. Right. And I really do. Serena, this might have been something that you said to me during the uh, Western Conference Finals. But doesn't it feel like we're going to get the news alert that Kawhi Leonard, in fact, had surgery like three weeks ago and has yeah. actually been – in recovery because that's just kind of how his camp rolls. And, and look, I, because we don't know anything and because no information has leaked out whatsoever, I think we have to operate on the premise that we are going to get these a similar Kawhi Leonard to what we have gotten over the past couple of years, which is somebody mm-hmm. who's dealing with a degenerative knee issue that we know is progressively going to get worse. However, we hope that it's going to be manageable enough for him to still be, when he's healthy and on the court, a top five player in the league, which I still think that he is, win 100% or whatever that is for Kawhi Leonard. Um, And so I think if you're the Clippers, whatever the offer is that he wants, I don't think you have any choice but to go ahead and give that to him. Like, I, I don't think there's much room to play hardball on the financials of the contract. Do you? Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I we talked about this during the conference finals, how, like, I, I think we're going to get a very Spurs-esque release, like, uh, when um, 
when like Lamarcus Aldridge had his surgery before the bubble, like it was like in April, and we didn't find out until the Spurs literally left for the bubble <laughs> that Lamarcus Aldridge had surgery, and then he would not be joining them. And it's like, yeah, I think that's what's going to happen with the Clippers. I think we're just going to find out about Kawhi down the line. I'd like to believe that if it was a torn ACL, something would have come out about it. So I, I would. My gut that is, is that it was just like a sprain. He never was going to come back for the playoffs, but he should have enough time to rehab for the start of the regular season. That's my operating assumption. Right. And I do think that if it was a torn ACL, you would have to imagine that the league, the Clippers would have to have gotten fined or something. Because if it's a torn ACL, you're clearly not just questionable for the next game, which is what the Clippers throughout the conference finals it was they would just update him on a on a per game status. If it's oh no, ACL, he was out every day. Right. Oh, okay. So it wasn't just questionable. He was listed. He was as out. out. Yeah. Okay. So I wasn't sure if like the league would have required the Clippers to say he is out for the season, or if that's enough of a gray area where the Clippers could get away with just listing him as updating his status to out before every single game. No, the Clippers definitely. Um... I'm not going to say misused, but manipulated the injury report to great effect. Like Marcus Morris was never on the injury report during the conference finals, despite right. Ty Lue saying on multiple occasions that he was a game time decision. So I, I think at that point, you probably have to list a guy as questionable or probable if he's a game time decision. <laughs> and uh, the fact that Kawhi Leonard was not listed on the injury report the day before that Utah game, when it was announced that he had a knee injury, like, not even listed. He traveled to Utah right. with the, the team and then came back to L.A. or whatever happened there. I don't – I'm not entirely sure I believe that he traveled to Utah in the first place. But, yeah, he was listed as out. It's fine. Um, let, let's just say Kawhi comes back. Let's talk about what could happen with Kawhi. He's got a player option for this last year of his contract. So he could either opt in and then extend or he could just sign an entirely new deal. The problem is if he signs an entirely new deal, the Clippers don't actually have – full bird rights to give him that five-year max. So he can't really get the full five years on that because they only have early bird rights on him because he's only been on the team for two years. So whether he like opts in and then signs for the next four years or does the, you know, full five-year contract, it doesn't really matter. The Clippers might be able to create a little extra space if he were to do the extension, but because Luke Kennard's extension kicks in this year and Paul George's extension kicks in this year. It's not like they're operating with a ton of cap space. So we're basically thinking of the Clippers as a tax team, whether Kawhi Leonard signs either of those permutations of the contract. Um, and, and so in and that case, like doesn't really matter what sort of deal he's signing provided he resigns with the Clippers. Right. Well, and, and I believe that it might've been Kevin Arnovitz on the low post at some point this, this week. Um, I've listened to so much nature basketball podcasts that I, I kind of lose track of who's who, mm-hmm. but I believe it was kind of Arvin, Kevin Arnovitz who had said that he had heard the most likely scenario was Kawhi opting back in um, and then re-signing for the full five year after the conclusion, which he would have two years, I believe. If he were to opt uh, in, or would it just be another additional year? He has uh, one year left if he opts in. Okay, uh, yes. So he could then sign a full five year afterwards, and then the Clippers would have full bird rights to give him that super max five years, you know? Right, right. Yeah. Yes. I, Kevin Artovitz said that from what he had heard, which obviously take, when especially when Kawhi is involved, take that with a huge grain of salt, that mm-hmm. he had heard that that was the most likely scenario. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, which, I mean, I guess Kawhi would have to take a 
a sh- like a small pay cut this year in order to make right. that happen because you know he's not getting his full maximum this year because now he's reached the 10 years of service in the NBA but right. I think the money that he would gain by getting that full five years afterwards probably makes up for it but I haven't exactly run the numbers that's a good idea that's something I should look into uh what Kawhi's contracts could look like <laughs> depending on what happens coming up but yeah so then I think the next big thing to talk about with the Clippers is what to do with their point guard situation. Right. So we've got Patrick Beverly, who was the starter for the majority of the season. And actually not even the majority of the season because he was hurt for quite a bit of it. And he lost his starting job during the playoffs that went to Reggie Jackson, but Reggie Jackson's a free agent. So I'm curious for you, David, just let's take contracts out of this for a second. We've got Beverly, Rondo, Luke Kennard theoretically could even play the one a little bit and Reggie Jackson. Who do you think the Clippers want to be their starting point guard? And what was, what is their point guard rotation going to look like next year? I still bet that Reggie Jackson returns to the Clippers. So the Clippers do have, I know we were putting contracts aside, but they have early bird rights and I believe can offer him about $10 million. And I think after He's already done the thing where he's left a competitive team to go to the Detroit Pistons, not only because they offered, were able to offer him a substantial amount of money, but also because he wanted it to be his team. Mm-hmm. Um, and we saw that not only did that not work out for the Detroit Pistons, although they made the playoffs uh, for one year, but that Reggie Jackson was relegated to basketball irrelevancy, and mm-hmm. which is why I think it was so surprising for a majority of basketball fans to realize just how good Reggie Jackson can actually be. This was his coming out party. And if we were listing um, the winners of this postseason beyond obviously whoever ultimately ends up winning the Larry O'Brien trophy in the next couple of weeks, I think Reggie Jackson may come out as the single biggest winner of this NBA postseason because he looks like a legitimate third option on a championship team. And so I, I don't think there's much question that it, among all of the free agent point guards that might be available, even those on the trade market, if the Clippers mm-hmm. had their pick of anybody, regardless of financial uh, considerations, I think Reggie Jackson would be number one on that list. I mean, I might take Kyle Lowry, but... Okay, I... fine, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I do think Reggie Jackson is probably second on that list, which just has to be music to the ears of Dennis Schroeder's agent when that guy is asking for 100 to $120 million this offseason. And let me tell you, Reggie Jackson is not going to get that kind of money. So no. good luck, Dennis. Uh, yeah, so I, I think Reggie Jackson has probably earned the starting spot as you know the point guard on the Clippers, whatever being the point guard on the Clippers actually entails, given that so much of the ball handling responsibility goes to Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Uh, I do think that, like you said, because he you know, has found this role that suits him so well. I mean, the fact that he became a reliable three-point shooter is kind of bonkers considering what he had been previously in his career. Like, before the 2018 season, he'd only even hit 35% once, which is basically league average. So for him to become, like, a, a legitimate sniper for the Clippers... Like, this is the kind of basketball environment that he's just not, not going to get elsewhere in the league, like the type of freedom he gets on offense the ability to play next to his best friend, Paul George, you know, a coach in Ty Lue who clearly believes in him and empowers him to be the best version of himself. I would think that Reggie Jackson would want to come back. Uh, I, But I, I also don't know. Like, he's he's 31 years old. This is his, probably his last chance to make real life-changing money on a contract. 
not not to say that he hasn't because obviously he signed right. I think an eighty million deal eighty million dollar deal with the Pistons back in twenty sixteen. So he's made money. But like if he wants to cash in once more, I think this is the offseason to do it. And I obviously would not begrudge him for doing so because he played himself in a position to cash out, right? And right. But just the thing is, like, I don't really see where that opportunity would come from that would measure up to what the Clippers can offer him, right? Because, you know, New York's got cap space. And that is, to me, the most interesting prospect because New York was a playoff team this year. They could certainly use some sort of offensive push in their backcourt because Alfred Payton was not getting the job done, right? (laughs) Derrick Rose, I think, is much better suited to be a sixth man than the starting point guard, which the playoffs bore out very clearly. So Mm -hmm. you could put Reggie Jackson on that team. I don't think it would be his team, so to speak, right? Like, we still have... Julius, Julius Randle, and they're grooming R.J. Barrett. Um, so it's not like his his team to run by any means, but he would have a very large role in that offense. That's one place I could see maybe being interesting for him in free agency, unless, you know, New York does the whole thing where they want to keep the powder dry for big-name free agents, which Reggie Jackson, despite his name, is literally not a big-name <laughs> free agent. Um, I don't think, like, Charlotte or San Antonio or, like, you know, those other smaller teams make a lot of sense just because – He's tasted this level of postseason success. I don't think you want to take a step back unless it's an opportunity like, you know, with the Knicks where I think it's an up and coming team who probably will make the playoffs again next year. But then again, when do you ever want to tie your fate to the New York Knicks? Right. No, fair enough. And I I do think that no matter where Reg Jackson ends up, whether it's back with the Clippers or with a team like the Knicks, I do think he's going to be he's not going to be one of the first dominoes to fall in free agency. This screams a situation in which um, if a team like the Knicks does come and steal him away from the Clippers, it's going to be late in the postseason when all of their other options have dried up and they become a little bit desperate and probably offer him more money than they otherwise would or even should. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, he's going to be one of the last dominoes to fall for, I think, both the league and for the Clippers in terms of putting together their rotation. But I also think that having a point guard like Reggie Jackson on the roster does allow Pep Bev to slide back over to the bench, a role that he took to much more quickly than I thought that he would. I thought that Beverly was going to go kicking and screaming into a six-man role. And to his credit, he really didn't. He saw that it was best for the team for him not to be in the starting uh, lineup, particularly because of his limitations on the offensive side. And he his shooting, once he moved over to the bench, really improved. I mean, it wasn't anything fantastic or great, but I think it really helped the Clippers um, uh, over the final two series in the playoffs. Yeah, I think so too. And I'm, I'm honestly not entirely sure what Patrick Beverly's future is with the Clippers. And that's kind of the next place I wanted to go. Um, you know, Luke Kennard's obviously sticking around. Like he's going to be one of the ball right. handlers. They've got four years left on his deal team option for the fourth, but he's, I think he's here for the long haul. Uh, Rondo only has a year left on his contract, but to me, you're not you're not getting a lot for Rondo if you try to move him, right? Like the no, the, I mean, it took two second round picks to pry him away from Atlanta, but I, I feel like that <laughs> the league has pretty much realized that the Clippers overpaid in that situation, and Rondo's playoffs have not exactly proved that he is the guy that he used to be, right? Like I, I would be not at all surprised if Rondo just filled in Chauncey Billups' seat on the bench next to Ty Lue instead of playing out the last year of his contract, or if he decided to retire, you know having, you know, made that extra seven and a half million that he didn't expect on last year's deal. And then, you know, calling it in, but I I don't think Rondo has a lot of trade value is what I'm trying to say. Whereas Patrick Beverly, uh, you know, did not end the season on the best of terms, right? He's suspended for one game to start the next year because of that shove on Chris Paul, let his emotions get the best of him. 
other than that, I thought he was quite good in the Phoenix series. You know, definitely got yes. in Devin Booker's airspace, did some good things defensively with Chris Paul, was really good defensively against Donovan Mitchell in the previous round. Obviously, Luka Doncic proved to be a matchup that was not Beverly's skill set, but that's fine. Luka Doncic is a matchup that's most people's not in their skill set. <laughs> so I, I think that, like, there is a market for Patrick Beverly if a team is just interested in a little bit of veteran presence at the one. He's on an expiring contract so that makes him more movable. And the Clippers have sort of systematically gotten rid of everyone who has like ties to the old regime, right? The only right. player that predates Ty Lu on this roster, not including Ty Lu as an assistant coach, is Vita Zubac. And Zu is obviously just a delightful human being who everyone loves. And Ty is called one of his favorite players that he's ever coached. So Zu's not going anywhere. <laughs> uh, also not on that contract, which is a freaking steal. Listen, well, if I, Zubac ends up as the first Clipper to have his jersey retired, I think at this point nobody would be surprised. No one would bat an eye. <laughs> no. It just, yeah, that's fine. Has no chance yeah. of getting in the Hall of Fame, but really, does that matter? <laughs> yeah, so I, I'm interested to see if, what Beverly's future is because I, I think there's a solid chance he gets moved. Uh, I don't think that the Clippers are particularly happy with the way things ended against Phoenix. Like, understandably, it was just one foul, but – it's just a bad look and it kind of reminds me of the magic city thing with Lou Williams last year where, yeah, Lou got to play in the playoffs and he was pretty decent in the playoffs, but there's just like, this is not the culture that the Clippers want to put out, you know, into the public. And like, they'll have guys like DeMarcus cousins who for all of his, you know, antics on the court wouldn't do something like that. And I, I just think that this is the kind of thing that they don't really want to associate with. And I think there's probably a better than 50% chance. Like I would say that there's like a hundred percent chance that Patrick Beverly does not finish his contract with the Clippers, but I don't know if that's going to happen like by the deadline or before the regular season. But to me, it's like you go to Reggie Jackson, you say, we've got the 10 million. This is all we can offer you. Take it or leave it. Like, you know, sign one year and then we'll have your bird rights and, you know, balloon it up next year, which obviously you're not legally allowed to say, but I think that's a conversation that they would have (laughs) with Reggie Jackson. And then, you really don't need Patrick Beverly as much. Like I understand he's insurance. If Reggie Jackson gets yeah. hurt or you need something else at that point guard spot. But I, it, I very much think the Clippers could move on from that role at point guard. Right. Well, no. And if they were to move on, it would be purely a culture move because I think mm-hmm. what the assets that you would get back for a trade for Patrick Beverly would be marginal at best. It's probably going to be, I, I can't imagine they get a first for him. No, um, no, I don't think so. It's probably going to be one, maybe two second round picks, which, by the way, the Clippers seem to be stocking up on second round picks more than anybody in the league. I think over the next five years, they have, I think, currently nine second round picks. Well, everybody uh, but Oklahoma City. But yeah. Right. Yes. Uh, and so, I mean, why not get to double digits for second round picks? I mean, there's no reason not to. But it. Do you think that the Clippers are, have begun to transition to a point in their franchise planning where culture matters more than kind of the marginal depth that B- Beverly provides? I just don't think that they're uh, certain about Patrick Beverly's availability. You know, he's okay. missed a lot of games over the last two seasons, playoff games even in the bubble. You just have to be more confident in what you're going to get on a day-to-day basis, and I just don't think you're getting that with Beverly. Um, and then also they just could find more room for younger players if Beverly is no longer on the roster, right? 
Yes. No, and that does actually lead into an interesting point. The Clippers, just to review their draft uh, picks going forward, so they do have nine second-round picks over the next five years. They have, over that same time period, three first-round picks, but two of them are swaps, including a 2025 first-round pick that is one of the more convoluted first-round picks in the entire league. Basically, it's a four-way swap between the Clippers, Oklahoma City, Houston, and Brooklyn, where Mm -hmm. uh, Oklahoma City will basically have the pick of the litter, and then the other three teams will swap in between themselves. And so in order for the Clippers to maintain competitiveness moving forward, they're going to have to do something which they have not done um, except under the tutelage of Tai Lu, which is being willing to develop young talent and really hit on those second and late first round picks. Something, by the way, that they actually just did with Terrence Mann, which is the good news. Uh, they don't need to find a superstar late in the, the draft, but they are going to have to find legitimate rotation pieces. And maybe moving on from a guy like Tai Lu opens up the, the door and minutes in the rotation for Tyloo to once again be able to do that. Right, and I think that the Clippers have more ability to do that, you know, develop players with the coaching staff they have in place. They've got Kenny Atkinson, who is wonderful at developing players both in Atlanta and as a head coach in Brooklyn. You know, uh, Tyloo credits him all the time in terms of heading up their player development staff in L.A., They've got Sean Fine, who uh, has been working with like Terrence specifically on his shooting. Seriously, the number of times that Tyloo mentions this guy's name, like you'd think he was the lead assist on the staff. I'd, I've heard his name more than Dan Craig, who I think is actually the associate head coach. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I, I mean, I wonder if their player development operation changes if Kenny Atkinson ends up, you know, interviewing for that Orlando job and progresses to getting that, because I have heard that he is on the short list of people for the Magic head coaching job, and that would obviously be a big loss for the Clippers. But I do think that there's a general infrastructure, at least in place for player development. It's something that the Clippers were talking about even before Ty Lue had announced his staff. It was really just like the buzzword of his introductory press conference, him and Lawrence Frank, was just growth, growth, development, 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 not just for young players, but also for the existing veterans. Like they wanted them to get better. And I think we saw that with Paul George, who expanded to like new facets of his game that we hadn't seen before. And Reggie Jackson even expanding to new facets of his game that we hadn't seen before. So I am interested to see what the draft looks like. Uh, the Clippers have, you know, at best like a 50-50 hit rate with their draft picks uh, in like the Lawrence Frank era. You know, for every Shea Gildas Alexander, there's a Jerome Robinson. For every Terrence Mann, there's a Fiatnum Kevin Gelly. So I do believe that there's a reasonable outcome where they get somebody good at 25. Or maybe they package that with Patrick Beverly to try to improve to their point guard position or to get another wing. Uh, who knows? I, I haven't really gotten deep into the the weeds of the draft just because the season very recently ended and it's hard to focus on those things uh but yeah with threats to our nation waiting around every corner adaptability is more important than ever when conditions change without notice quick strategic thinking is crucial and with obstacles consistently impending determination is essential in overcoming them it's this willingness decisiveness and resilience that sets marines apart with our fighting spirit we don't just fight battles we win them Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The one thing I did want to ask, uh, David, is, you know, the, the money shouldn't really be a concern for the Clippers. Like, they've got the richest owner in professional sports. He should be able to pay whatever the Clippers can for everybody available. But if it came down to, like, a Reggie Jackson or Nick Batum kind of thing, who do you think the Clippers should prioritize? I after the postseason, I, I I think it's difficult not to say Reggie Jackson. Um, I mean, listen, this was a guy that I I really do think if Kawhi is healthy, we're looking at the Clippers in the NBA Finals as the prohibitive favorite to win it all. And it's difficult to look at a guy like Reggie Jackson, who would have been the third best player on a championship team, and say, how can you not prioritize him? Now, that's not to say that I think Reggie Jackson is suddenly catapulted into the top 20 players in the entire NBA, but that has real value. And as much as I love Nicholas Batum, and by the way, I don't actually think that they're going to have to make a choice. I do think that Batum is more than willing. They can offer him the veteran million, veteran minimum, excuse me, which is, I believe, $1.9 million, which I think is something that Batum will be comfortable taking. Um, but I just think Reggie Jackson opens up the rotation particularly so much more than even Batum does once you factor in Abaka being able to come back. And Abaka is not nearly as good of a passer uh, and able to run the offense as Batum does. But Abaka can at least make up some of that he's a decent facsimile and so i i think you have to choose jackson yeah i do think that um <clears throat> they could they can offer nick between a little bit more than that his veterans minimum because of how many years he's been in the league is closer to 2.6 million okay. um if it if it ends up being like you know nick wants more money which he has actually made a ton of money in his nba career right he's just coming off that 120 million dollar deal that he signed with the hornets uh if if they needed to push it like they could open up that taxpayer mid-level, that $5.7 million salary for a guy like Batum, and I think that would absolutely be worth it, even if yeah. I do believe that the Clippers would want to load-manage Batum a little bit more this upcoming regular season and save him for the playoffs, because he he wore down a little bit, and that's to be expected, considering the massive jump in minutes he took from playing with the Hornets that last season to really being part of the rotation for the Clippers in 2020-21. Uh, I just think it's an interesting consideration because, like, the Clippers just don't have a ton of avenues to improve their team. Like, right. they've got the draft and they've got the taxpayer mid-level, but otherwise you're basically just looking at minimums to fill out this roster. And, like, sometimes those hit. Like, DeMarcus Cousins was really important for this team. And Yogi yes. Farrell was not, right? <laughs> and, like, um, Patrick Patterson helped during the regular season and then didn't play during the playoffs. So, like, it's just hard to see what – they could get on the minimum market. And that's why I'm so interested about this potential, you know, a trade because like, I just don't see another way where the Clippers can realistically bring back salary or, you know, get a player who makes a good amount of money other than via trade. And they don't really have a ton of assets to put into a trade, right? It's basically just this year's first rounder and that's it, right? Unless they want to start right. throwing out those second rounders that they got in the Luke Kennard deal. So right. I, it's, well, it's just such think, a weird situation. And, like, I, how much are veterans going to prioritize being here? Because, like, we've seen that the, the Clippers obviously can do well to rehabilitate careers like they did with Reggie and Nick. But, like, do vets want that to be, like, a one-year thing and then they go out and get their money again? Or is this, like, a, a place they want to stay? Like, I, we haven't learned that yet. Right. No, and let's, let's be clear. If 
Reggie Jackson does leave and the Clippers are looking at the point guard market, they only have the mid-level exception, which suddenly you're not getting Lonzo. You're not going to be in the conversation for Kyle Lowry because you just simply don't have the assets to be able to do that. You're going to be looking at Derrick Rose, which we talked about earlier, is looks, especially after the playoffs, at best like a six-man. You're going to be looking at somebody like Patty Mills. The absolute mm-hmm. ceiling is going to be somebody like Spencer Dinwiddie, who even then you know, is coming off an ACL injury and having missed most of the year. But even then... I think enough teams are going to be enamored with what Spencer Dinwiddie has done in the past that even the mid-level exception might not be able to get it done. And so I do think not only because of what Reggie Jackson did over the playoffs, but because of where the Clippers are at financially and in terms of their asset uh, cupboard, I think retaining Reggie Jackson has to be number one on the priority list. Assuming that Kawhi comes back, which because it's Kawhi, we have no idea what he's doing. I just think if you're the Clippers, you operate with the belief that he is going to come back because that's where all the tea leaves seem to be pointing. If he doesn't, if he doesn't come back, then obviously the Clippers have a little bit more issues to figure out. Right, right. Let's let's just talk about that real quick because it is in the chat. Um, So I've heard some rumors that Miami and Dallas will be targeting Kawhi in free agency, which... Obviously, I think anyone who can get to Max Caprum is going to put in an offer for Kawhi. Uh, I just don't see how any organization is going to give him the freedom that the Clippers will. Like, yes. like we mentioned at the top of the hour, like they did not reveal what his injury was for three weeks. It's it's legitimately been three weeks since the guy went down, and no one has any idea why he went down or what injury he's suffering from, and like you can bet that not a single other team in the league is going to give him that kind of uh, privacy, right? right? Like what they do for him in terms of not having to deal with the media and living far away from Staples Center in his first year and traveling in from San Diego. Like I've, I've heard that he has a house that's much closer to the practice facility this year um, because, you know, obviously you wouldn't want to be doing that kind of deep travel during the pandemic. But just the the way that they've empowered him, like that they – gave up everything to get the guy that he wanted in Paul George, that they traded Lou Williams to get the guy that he wanted in Rajon Rondo. Uh, all of these decisions that they've made, like he personally recruited Serge Ibaka, right? And then the Clippers got him. Uh, he has his fingerprints over everything that the Clippers are doing, right down to getting Ty Lue as well, right? Right. So, uh, like, who who else is going to give him that kind of latitude? Like, Miami is not going to give him that no. kind of latitude. Pat Riley much, runs a much tighter ship. Dallas kind of intrigues me just because like they absolutely would give him that level of freedom. Like Dallas has literally nothing going on in their front office. Uh, Their whole MO is to attract stars at this point, right? They hired the guy from Nike who has no experience in basketball operations just so they could recruit star free agents. I'm sure they would let Kawhi do whatever the hell he wanted, but why would a guy who moved heaven and hell to get back to Southern California want to go to Dallas? right? Right. And, and that's kind of Luca's team already in a way that it just would never be Kawhi's. So I I have a hard time seeing the fit anywhere else. Like we heard the whispers about him coming to the Clippers for legitimately like 15 months before he even got here. And there just hasn't been any indications that he's unhappy enough to move. Like they, they took it a step further, right? They got to the conference finals first time in franchise history. Uh, to me, it's just like, I, I can't see a fit somewhere else. No, let's be clear. Uncle Dennis is not going to be getting Pat Riley's number and texting him trade ideas. 
Uh, that's not something that Pat Riley is going to let happen. I also, and, and this is something that I, I mentioned at the top of the hour as well. Look, if Kawhi leaves, this is a team that he built. This is a, a team that he actively chose. He chose his running mate and Paul George. He decided to do that rather than joining up with LeBron and Anthony Davis. We talked about Serge Ibaka even having a hand in hiring the coach. If Kawhi leaves, it says more about Kawhi than it does about the Clippers. And I think, you know, one of the reasons why he came to the Clippers, we heard, was because of this belief that he was not getting the type of credit and attention in media markets that he believed he was due. He thought in his camp believed that he should be as big of a star in an attraction as somebody like LeBron James, given his talent level. And if he hasn't gotten that because he's just not that type of star. He's not somebody that is going to be uh, uh, trending on Twitter uh, because of something that he says to the same degree that LeBron James does. Um, And so if he still is looking for that and is unsatisfied uh, that the Clippers being on the Clippers has not provided him that I just don't know where else he goes or in his mind, how going to somewhere like Dallas or even Miami is going to fix that issue. Um, And by the way, there's that's not an indication that is going to factor heavily on his thinking, but we heard that when he first came to LA. And so it's relevant to bring it back up. And so I just, I also don't think that there's a basketball situation that is better than what the Clippers currently have. Yeah. I'd rather play with uh, Paul George than Jimmy Butler. And obviously the, the, he'd also have Bam, but I think the entire operation that the Clippers have going is better than what Miami has from a talent perspective. Like, I mean, we saw this team go, four and four in their games without Kawhi Leonard in the playoffs, like against real meaningful opposition in Utah and Phoenix. So to me, this is the best basketball fit. Uh, and I, I just think that the Clippers are so much less interesting if we think about them without Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> so I'd rather, Listen, I'd rather I, I, just assume that Leonard's going back. Here's a question with Leonard. And uh, uh, we saw how effective the Clippers' small ball lineup was when he was in. And obviously, even without him, it was still enough to get by the Utah Jazz. And it really gave Phoenix fits at times, although Aiden was good enough in the post to make the Clippers kind of scurry away from that. But if Kawhi is on the court, do the Clippers have the single best lineup in the NBA with Abaka at the five um, and then Jackson at the one and, and using kind of their small ball lineup, or even if you want to substitute Batum in there, I, I think that might be the best five man lineup in the NBA. So that's an interesting question. Um, the Suns starting five is obviously damn good. Uh, you know, you think about what the Warriors could look like with Clay back and the Nets when they've got Durant, Harden, Irving, and just whoever else you want to put for the other two players. Um, the Clippers starting lineup was pretty much gangbusters with Ibaka in the first half of the season. Right. I believe they were plus 18, which is in, I think, according to cleaning the glass, definitely in the 90th percentile. Right. Right. And that was with Batum and Ibaka as the front court with Beverly, George, and Leonard. So it would be a little bit different, right? You know, Reggie offers a different element at point and then you put, presumably Morris in there instead of Batum, but right. the, the theory of it plays, right? Like this is, this is an excellent lineup that the Clippers have. And I mean, I, I came into the postseason thinking that the Clippers could beat anybody. And I still believe that if Kawhi Leonard were healthy, that the Clippers could beat anybody. So like the basketball fit is here, right? Like right. Kawhi will have a chance to win a championship with the Clippers. I think 
we can kind of set aside some of the the curse talk because they still got to the conference finals, even with everything that happened this year. I, I don't think that there's like this mythical dark cloud still hovering over them. Although, you know, I, I reserve the right to withhold judgment and if and until the Clippers actually do it. All. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, it's, it's just so hard for me to see what Kawhi could get better outside of Los Angeles. Like, like you said, he wanted to be the, the guy. That's why he didn't want to join the Lakers with LeBron and Anthony Davis. And he wants to be in Southern California. He wants to be around his family. And like, he just had another kid. I, everything that he could possibly want is here. And it's a good situation. Um, it just doesn't make sense to me that he would want to leave. Right. And, and, Hafkar, I, I have to disagree. I think it still would have been a very close series, but I do think that if Kawhi was healthy, I, I think the Clippers would have won that series. Yeah, I mean, they went 2-0 in the regular season against the Suns with Kawhi. The one game that they lost, Kawhi didn't play in. Uh, uh, you know, they almost won game two against the Suns. I, I think there's every reason to believe that they would have won with Kawhi, but I don't want to diminish what the Suns are doing because obviously no. availability is important, right? <laughs> like right. being ready to go obviously matters. And they also had to deal with Chris Paul, you know, not being there for two games because of COVID and clearly working his way back. Like he didn't really look like himself until game five, I would say, of that series. So it would have been a a far more interesting series, I think, had Kawhi been healthy. But I still would have favored the Clippers just because of how they looked in the previous rounds. Um, Yeah. But yeah, we're we're talking about the offseason. Talked about (laughs) Reggie Jackson. We talked about Batum. Um, I I don't really know what what to say about the draft just because – Again, I haven't done enough digging, but like I, I would hope that the Clippers learn from their previous mistakes and don't draft a big. Because what are you going to do with a big like Daniel Otoro? Uh, like they drafted centers in back-to-back years, which is mind-numbing for a team that like literally looks so good when they play small. Um, let's talk about Ibaka for a second. He's got a player option on the second year of his contract. He was another guy who was just snake bitten this year in terms of injuries. Had that back surgery. Don't really know what his rehab is looking like. Uh, do you think that he's going to opt back in and, you know, rejoin the Clippers this year, or is he going to opt out and try to get a new contract in free agency? I have to think, and again, this is, you can only opt out and get new money if somebody's willing to offer it to you. And I just don't see the market developing for him quite that way. And so I, I would imagine that he opts back in. I also, it's interesting. One of the reasons before the season start that I thought that the Clippers were perfectly suited um, to go up against a team like the Jazz or even like the Lakers was because of Obaka's ability to force somebody like Rudy Gobert out of the paint thanks to his shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Clippers were obviously able to duplicate that enough with their small ball lineup, but it just added to the Clippers' depth, which was after you get past Kawhi and PG, was always something that they talked about consistently, um, especially in comparison to a team like the Lakers, who were generally looked upon to be a little bit thinner after you you got past the starting five. And so I I would imagine that Abaka opts back in, and I think he's a very valuable player for the Clippers to have. I I also just don't know where else his market develops if he doesn't opt back in. You know, I think that there is uh, a place for a player like Abaka who is at stretch five. Um, I do think his switchability is a little bit overrated at this point in his career. He's really not close to the defensive force that he was back in Oklahoma City. Um, I don't even think he really reached that height in Toronto where he, he basically was a center for that team 
even though there were occasional moments where he played at the four with Mark, like that mostly happened in the Philadelphia series, but really right. he was playing as the lone big. Um, and like you said, the Clippers, even when Ibaka was healthy, would go to Morris in their starting their small ball lineup instead of Ibaka at the five, because Ibaka just doesn't have the mobility to right. move laterally on the perimeter. And I think that probably will get worse after back surgery, uh, unless it goes very well. But I, to me, Ibaka would have to opt back in, right? And, like, I think that you obviously would hope for a similar Ibaka to what you got at the start of the regular season, which, like we said, was very good from a depth perspective. I'm not sure if he would still be in your best five in the playoffs, but that's, you know, you don't always need somebody for a closing line if you just need guys to fill in those extra minutes because, like, think about how badly the Clippers were losing, like, the Boogie Cousins minutes, right? So right. Uh, if you have just Ibaka there, then then that obviously would make a right. big difference. No. Yeah. And I don't I don't necessarily think that, you know, Abaka is I, I wouldn't imagine that he starts the season in the, the starting five. I just don't know if you're him. If you opt out, what exactly are you looking for? Because I don't think that a starting role is going to be in your future, nor is the money. So it just kind of comes back to what other market is going to be there for you. Um, I think if you're the Clippers, you wouldn't mind if he opted out because you do have Marcus Morris. But I do think having him there adds to the depth that the Clippers really prioritize, as does every team. Yeah, I think that the Clippers would obviously be much better with Ibaka in the lineup or in their rotation than having to replace him because then you get to, like, you know, players of Patrick Patterson or DeMarcus Cousins' quality where there are clear limitations, much more so than a player of Ibaka's caliber, even though I think he has declined since he was, you know, at his peak a few years back. But yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much all I had to say about the offseason. Was there anything else that you wanted to hit on, David? Um, no, I I just think just very quickly before we go, do you think going into next year, where do you think the Clippers end up being projected uh, to be? Do you think they end up entering the season as one of the top three title favorites? You know, it depends on so much of what happens with the rest of the teams, right? Like, I I would still take them over Utah. I don't really believe that the Jazz can improve enough during this offseason to counter what the Clippers did so well against them. Uh, I I think Phoenix, you know, you'd have to put them in the top three now at this point, you know, coming off of a finals run. What's going to happen with the Lakers? What's going to happen with Warriors? What's going to happen with the Nets? Uh, There's just so many moving parts. Um, but I, I think that the Clippers will be right there, you know, uh, unless someone makes a massive trade a la James Harden going to the Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> um, I don't think anything is going to shake up the landscape of the league so much that the Clippers wouldn't be in consideration, even if they're not the outright favorites. Look at where the roster's at now. And again, imagining just projecting Reggie Jackson and Kawhi Leonard both return. Kawhi Leonard mm-hmm. does not have did not have torn his ACL. <clears throat> would you take the Clippers over the Lakers? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've thought that I would take the Clippers over the Lakers each of the last two years, and unfortunately we have not gotten the opportunity to see them play <laughs> each other in the postseason, which is too bad. Uh, you know, the the Clippers just have the a really good way of slowing down LeBron, and yeah. uh, Anthony Davis has not been able to exert himself against the Clippers either, at least during those regular season matchups, which admittedly were... Uh, a little bit different for the Lakers this year because they were only healthy for one of them. But, like, I look back at opening night, and the Clippers did really well against the Lakers. They stomped on them. 
So right. that's the last time we've seen these two teams at full strength or close to it. And the Clippers looked better as they did for most of the matchups last year. So yeah, I, I think that the Clippers can go into next season thinking that, yeah, we can beat any team in the West at full strength. The Nets, I still think are, you know, a beast of a different feather, but that's, you cross that bridge when you come to it. Right. I agree. That was our show. Thanks as always for listening to the Eclipse Nation podcast and a special thank you to David Bernal for taking his time to talk about the off season. Make sure you're subscribed to the Eclipse Nation podcast on Spotify, iTunes, or Google Podcasts. And if you have any suggestions about what you want to hear us talk about during the summer, you can make those on ClipsNation.com or direct them to us on Twitter at ClipsNation or to myself, Sabrina JM. Take care and we'll catch you later. Bye.